Psalm 130, let's look at verse number three. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Aren't you glad that there's forgiveness with God? Uh, where would we be without God's forgiveness? Uh, if you're saved today, you've experienced God's forgiveness. And uh, that's the most important part of God's forgiveness is the fact that uh, it frees us from our sins so that we can go to heaven someday and not have to go to hell. And if you haven't done that, that's something that you need to do as soon as you're able, uh, because you don't want to leave this world without being forgiven of your sins. But after we're saved, we still need forgiveness, not to go to heaven, obviously, but what is the main purpose of God's forgiveness after we're saved? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is to restore fellowship, because when we sin against God as Christians, it breaks the fellowship that we have with God. It's just like your children. If your children disobey you, then the fellowship is broken. broken. And when that fellowship is restored through the proper discipline and, and the love that's shown, uh, then that fellowship is restored. But I believe there is a further purpose for forgiveness for the Christian. And I believe there is an ultimate purpose of forgiveness, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. Bless our pastor tonight, Lord, as he is no doubt speaking in a church, and I pray you'll use him in a mighty way. Lord, meet with us tonight, please, here, and I pray you'll fill me with your spirit, and let your word be a help to those here tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Looking at a verse again, verse 3, it says, Oh, if thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Uh, how many of you here tonight have not sinned? Raise your hand. Like I'm the only one. No, we all have. And what the Bible's saying here, if, if God marked our iniquities, if he held our iniquities against us, nobody could be used of God. You know, sometimes we get very discouraged about our sin. And especially if we uh, have sinned maybe in the same area repeatedly, well, it's easy to get discouraged and think, man, what's the use? Man, I, I just confessed this yesterday, and now here I did it again today. And so I'm, I'm very, very thankful that God does not mark iniquities because, again, none of us could be used. But I like especially verse number four. It says, but there is forgiveness with thee. That may be one of the most uh, amazing statements in the Bible. There is forgiveness with thee. I'm thankful for that. And it reminds me of something else. Is there forgiveness with you toward others? That's something that I have to think about from time to time. But there is forgiveness with thee, and it goes on to say that thou mayest be feared. What does that mean, that thou mayest be feared? Well, pastor describes the fear of the Lord as an awareness of God's presence in your life. Uh, when Moses was leading the children of Israel to the promised land, in Exodus 33 and verse 14, God said to Moses, my presence shall go with thee. And Moses answered back. Well, he goes on to say, and I will give thee rest. And he, Moses, said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. So what he was saying is, okay, because if, if you don't go with us, if your presence is not with us, I'm not going because it, it'll be useless. We're not going to accomplish anything. We're not going to win any victories. So yes, God, your presence has to be there. And so when we fear God, we are aware of God's presence. We're aware, we realize our need for God and following after God and that's how we're used of God. 
Proverbs 14, 26, the Bible says, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. When we are fearing the Lord, we have that confidence that God is going to be with us. Now, I think the key word to this, this verse 4 is found in the little word, that. It says, but there is forgiveness with the that, or so that, or in order for us, for God to be feared. I think what God is saying here is forgiveness is what enables the Christian to be able to keep serving God. If it were not for forgiveness, then none of us, nobody could stand. No, no one could be used of God. And I think that the ultimate purpose of forgiveness is so that we can keep serving God. And we can keep being used of God even after we've sinned or failed. Just a few thoughts I want to leave you tonight. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll be done by tomorrow morning for sure. Number one, Satan wants you to focus on the bad that you've done. Satan wants you to focus on the bad that you have done. You ever been to a high school basketball game or maybe probably more, you'll see this more often in a junior high basketball game. But a, a kid's running down the court, he gets a fast break, he's running down the court, he's wide open. Man, he can see the glory. He can hear the crowd exciting he, and he does a layup, he's wide open and it goes up over the backboard and he misses the whole thing. And then you watch him like, you know, oh. And his parents, yeah. And the crowd, yeah. Ah. And, he, and especially if it's a junior, he just kind of, oh, man, he walks back. And like, oh, 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 man. And he goes down to the end of the court and somebody throws him the ball and he misses it because, you know why? Because he's still thinking about the shot he missed. Okay? And uh, now, you watch a professional ball player. Let's, let's, let's take baseball, for example. You know, the game's... The bases are loaded, the guy's up to bat, and man, this is, this is a, it's important. He gets up there, strike one, strike two, strike three, strikes out. Now, there are exceptions, but you know what they do most of the time? They just walk away like nothing happened. You think, man, does it bother the guy that he struck out at a crucial time like that? Of course it does. But the professional ball player understands something. He can't let his mistake get in his head. Because if it gets in his head, it's going to affect everything else he does the rest of the game. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he's out to get in your head. When you sin, he gets in your head. Oh, man, I can't believe I did that again. God, I went to the altar Sunday and I confessed that and I said, God, help me. And I, I walked up and I, I walked, walked away from the altar and I felt like I've got the victory. God's going to help me. This is great. And before you got home, you did the same thing again. Oh, what's the use? You know, God, just don't even fool with me anymore. Go work on somebody that's worth working with. Don't fool with me anymore. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. Uh, and it's easy to do that. Satan wants to get in our head and tell you you're worthless to God. You've messed up too many times. You might as well just give up. And, it, and by the way, it doesn't have to be something horribly bad. You know, the more conscientious you are as a Christian, the more sensitive you are to God. And the less it takes to upset you that you upset God. You know, some people say, well, I didn't drink today, so that's good. And that is good. If you have a habit of drinking and you didn't do it, that's good. But for those of you who have never taken a drink and you've tried to live a good Christian life all your life and you've gone to church all your life, it doesn't take that much to discourage you. It could just be 
God told you to give a tract to somebody at a gas station and you chickened out. And now you're beating yourself up. Man, I can't believe that. Why did, why did I, all I had to do was just hand that person a tract. Why didn't I do that? And you get discouraged uh, because you're conscientious and you want to do right. Well, Satan can use that guilt. And by the way, God, guilt, I believe, originally comes from God. It's when you sin, you're, you should feel guilty. And God uses that guilt to drive you to confess that sin to God. But once you've confessed that sin to God, God's done with the guilt. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is finished with the guilt. So he, he throws it in the dumpster. But guess what? Satan's a dumpster diver. And he, go grabs that, he grabs that guilt and he brings it back to you and throws it on you. And that's why so often, even after you've confessed a sin, you still feel the same guilt that you felt before you confessed it. And if, if, if you're not careful, you, may, you mistakenly think that that's God telling you that you're not really forgiven. That God's reminding you, oh no, you're not getting out of it that easy, pal. You got to do something more than just say, I'm sorry. You know, because like this is the 20th time you've done that. And Satan throws that guilt upon us. But we need to realize that it is Satan that's doing that. If you've confessed your sin and you still feel guilty, it's not God making you feel guilty. It's the devil accusing you, getting in your head so he can stop you. You ever uh, seen a couple guys getting ready to box or maybe UFC fighters getting ready to fight? And they walk up to each other and they just stare each other in the face. And they're trying to see how, and in, with their eyes, they're saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to beat you up so bad, you're going to be begging for mercy. But what are they trying to do? They're trying to get in the other person's head. Because if, if you can get in the other guy's head, the battle's half over. And that's what Satan does to us. Satan defeats a lot of us before we even get started. Because we messed up and we, you know, oh, yeah, I messed up, so, you know, okay, God, I'm sorry, you know, just... I might as well not try anymore. So number one, Satan wants you to focus on the bad you've done. Number two, God wants you to focus on the good that you can still do. You may say, well, I forfeited some things. Well, maybe you have. But there's, there are a lot of good things that you can still do. That's why you're still breathing. You say, how do I know that God can still use me? Put two fingers right up here. If you feel something, God can still use you. If you don't feel anything, you might as well just forget it because you're dead. So, God wants you to focus on the good that you can still do. When I was teaching high school at Hammond Baptist, uh, the last 16 years of teaching at, at Hammond Baptist, I had a summer job. I had my own business. I had a lawn business. And my boys, I have three boys. They're all grown and married now, but uh, they all helped me. Cheap labor. And uh, I'll get you some ice cream if you work for eight hours today. <laughs> Yay. No, you only work seven and a half. No ice cream. <laughs> and uh, I remember one time. Oh, well, let, let me. I mean, how many know the story of Joshua when he was fighting the battle and uh, he was winning, but he was running out of daylight. So he needed more daylight so he could beat the daylights out of the enemy. Uh, so he, he asked God to make the sun stand still. And he says, son, stand thou still. 
And the Bible says it, it stayed up an, an extra day. It's a miracle. Same thing happened to me. I see skepticism in your faces. You don't believe me, do you? Oh, you're going to feel bad when you hear this story. So I was mowing one day. My son, Dan, my oldest son, he was probably in about fourth grade. And I was in the backyard, and it was getting dark. And I had about 15 more minutes to go to finish this lawn. And I could not see where the lines were. And I'm looking, and I think, okay, I think that's it. And then I, no, no, that's not it. And I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do? And my son, Dan, was running around uh, in, the, in the lawn there. And all of a sudden, a bright light just shined in the lawn. I go, what? My son had, had run over to the neighbor's lawn and got in front of their motion sensor. And a big floodlight lit up the whole backyard. And I said, son, stand thou still. And I was able to mow the lawn. See, now you feel bad, don't you? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, maybe it wasn't exactly the same thing, but it's as close as you're going to get. That, that is true. That did happen. I don't think I said, son, stand thou still. But anyway, that, that was just preaching there. But I remember one time, I always told my boys, I said, look, if we're mowing along, if you tear up something, run over something, you know, run over flowers, run over the old lady, whatever, uh, you know, just come tell me, I'll take care of it and get back to work. So I was, I was weeding in the front lawn of this lawn, and my son Dan, he was probably fourth or fifth grade, and uh, he was, he has, you know, had one of those little self-propelled mowers that you hold that and it goes forward. Well, he came up to a bush, I guess he kind of panicked, and he forgot to let go of the little bar, so it just rode up on top of this bush. And uh, he came in the front, to the front. He said, Dad, the, the mower's on a bush. I go, what? He said, the mower is, is on a bush. I go, I walk in the backyard. It's on the bush. And uh, so I helped him get off the bush. And I said, okay, that's fine. Just get back to work. And he said, what would you do? I charged a lady for trimming her hedges. And uh, anyway, <laughs> not really. Do that. But, uh, but let, let's suppose, let's suppose you're wondering if I really did that. I didn't do that. But, but let's suppose I say, okay, that's fine, son. You know, get back to work. And I go back in the front yard, and I'm weeding it again. And I'm thinking, okay, about done here. I'm going to go check on Dan. And I go back there, and he's just standing there crying. What's wrong? Throw up that bush. Okay. I, you told me about it. So I just feel terrible. I don't. Okay. Now, I would be glad that he's conscientious and that he has a tender heart. But I would say, okay, son, forget the stupid bush. It's getting dark. We got lawns to mow. Come on, let's go, let's go. You know, God has a work that he needs us to do. And I wonder how much time we waste feeling sorry for ourselves because we messed up. You know, we think we're doing God a favor. Oh, God, I'm just not worthy. You know, don't fool with me anymore. I'm just a waste of your time. There's hundreds and thousands of other people that could do a better job than I'm doing. Just, I'm just going to sit down, not do anything. I know you appreciate my humility and my... God doesn't appreciate that humility. Why do you think God put in 1 John 1.9? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. God gave us forgiveness so that we don't sit around feeling bad about our sin. Now, yes, when it first happens, the Bible says, I will feel sorry for I will be sorry for my sin. We should. And that should drive us to confess it. But once we've done that, get back to work. Oh, I'm not worthy. Okay, get back to work, unworthy guy. 
You know, I don't care if my son feels unworthy or not. Mow the grass. But I feel guilty. Okay, guilty boy, mow that grass. But I'm just so unworthy. Okay, you unworthy kid, mother's son, mow the grass. It's getting dark. Matthew 9, 37 to 38, a familiar verse, verses. Then saith he unto his disciples, this is Jesus, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There's not enough people doing what we're supposed to be doing. If it was only the worthy people, which there aren't any, but if it's only the worthy people that are out there serving God, it's not going to get done. We're having trouble getting it done with everybody. The laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You know, brother, uh, I thought I saw brother Marzik back there. Maybe I didn't. No, I didn't. Anyway, I'm sure he's somewhere, at least on the planet. Yeah, there he is. And, uh, but he, he has a class. Is it an EMT class or EMS? Or? Yeah, EMST. <laughs> we'll just get him over there. Anyway, it's where you help people that are hurt, dying, that kind of thing. All right, and uh, so let, let's suppose, you know, a guy takes that class, and, and it's, it's a lot of hours. It takes a big commitment to be in that class, and, but you want to help people, you want to save people's lives. So, you know, you learn CPR, you learn all these things, and so here's somebody, they take that class, and boy, they, and, but they fail it. All that work. Man, I, I know all that stuff, but I just, I just missed too many on that test. Ah. And so the guy, he's all dejected. He's driving home, and he looks on the side of the road, and he sees an old man over there going, and he falls down, and he pulls over and jumps out of the car and says, what? oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm not certified. Ah, I didn't pass the test. I mean, I know CPR and everything, but the guy, you know, and the family, and maybe a family there, did you know CPR? Yeah, yeah. But, but see, I didn't, get, I didn't get certified. I failed. Sorry. But, but help, you know how to help him, don't you? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I know CPR, man. I, I did real good on that part of it, but I failed the next part. So, man, I'm sorry. God bless you. Good luck. Oh, wait a minute. You say, that, that would be absurd. Yeah, about as absurd as you say, well, I can't pass out a track because I messed up. Hey, I don't think the person who gets the track ends up getting saved cares really much about your personal life. Don't think you're doing God a favor by continuing to wallow in guilt and self-pity. You're not doing God a favor. You're not doing anybody a favor. So number one, Satan wants you to focus on the bad you've done. Number two, God wants you to focus on the good you can still do. Number three, and last, everyone falls. It's what you do after the fall. Everybody falls. Proverbs 24, 16, very familiar verse. For a just man falleth, not just once, seven times, and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. Okay, so we see two types of people here. And those two types of people are in this room. We have just people, we have wicked people. Which one are you? Well, the Bible says a just man, when he falls, he rises again. Doesn't matter how many times he fell. 
The Bible uses the, the number seven, but seven is just the number of perfection. God's not saying, okay, after the seventh time, then okay, then you just stay down. No. You just keep getting back up. You know, I've, it's hard to believe, but I've been working in First Baptist ministry for 40 years. And somebody says, well, man, 40 years, that's a long time. How'd you do it that long? You must be somebody special. Well, yeah, I am. My mother thinks so anyway. No. You, you know what? If, if somebody says, what's the secret? You know, like, I would say this is, this is the secret. Because it's not because I'm, I deserve it. It's not because I've, I've been flawless in my lifestyle and never made a mistake and, and just always did the right thing and never messed up. It, that's not true. But, but one thing I can say, that all the many times, and I've lost count of how many times I've fallen, but every time I've fallen, so far, I've gotten back up. For 40 years. I'm nobody special. But I can get back up. I may get back up and feel unworthy, but I can get back up. I may get back up and feel like, well, I don't know if God's going to do anything with me now, but, but I can still get back up. So can you, by the way. The just man, when he falls, he gets back up. He doesn't quit. He confesses it, and he goes back to business. The wicked falls into mischief. And it may be he thinks something like this. Ah, man, I'm trying to do the Lord's will. I tried to serve the Lord, but it's just not working, and I don't think I was cut out for this. I'm just not going to try anymore. I'm not going to be an embarrassment to Christianity I'm just not going to try anymore. You know, God, I'm sorry, but, I, you know, I'm embarrassed to keep asking you to forgive me for the same thing over and over again, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm done. The wicked falls into mischief. He quits. Psalm 33, verse 18. I love this passage. It says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, Upon them that hope in his mercy. Think about that. God's eye is on, is on those, his eyes are on those who hope in his mercy. What does that mean? Okay. When I was a teenager, this, that was the first time I noticed this verse in the Bible. And I, I, I'd been trying to live for God, I'd been trying to serve God, and I'd failed a lot, and I was very discouraged. And I, and I, was, and I literally was thinking, Lord, don't fool with me anymore. I'm just a waste of your time. I might as well quit because I, I just keep falling. I, I keep trying, but I keep falling. And I came across this verse, and here's what I thought. I kind of I, I rationalized. I said, would God rather me quit, or would he rather me go on and maybe not be used as much, maybe not be blessed as much, but what would God rather me do? And I thought, well, God didn't want me to quit. I mean, that, I, if I quit, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm not going to help anybody. So I said, okay, God, I'm just going to keep going, and I'm going to hope that you're going to have mercy on me. And guess what? He has. He has. I love the mercy of God. 
I've been a recipient of his mercy over and over and over and over again. In fact, if you read down to the end of that chapter, chapter 33, the last verse, verse 22 says, Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Wow. The degree of mercy I get from God is in direct relation to the degree that I continue and hope that he's going to be merciful to me. That's good news. And by the way, I've seen this over and over and over and over again in my life. It is only by God's forgiveness and mercy that any of us are usable to God. Somebody made this statement when I was in college, and I've never forgotten it. No matter how many times you fail, you're not a failure until you quit. Think about that. No matter how many times you fail, you are not a failure until you quit. We think, well, I failed and I failed. Remember Brother House sermon? I failed and 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 I failed. I failed and failed. I failed so many times. Okay, I must be a failure. Well, are you still trying? Well, yeah, you're not a failure. In fact, failure is really a necessary part of success. Everybody, no matter what the field is, everybody that's ever succeeded in anything has failed over and over and over and over again but they were just determined they were going to pursue it. And that's what God wants us to do. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. So, forgiveness is so we can keep doing God. What's the ultimate purpose of forgiveness? To keep us free to continue to serve the Lord. 